Top three items on this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Number one, Premium Cigar Association Convention Report. Number two, Uvalde, Texas Police Exhibit A for an egregious display of beta passivity. And number three, climate change greenies destroying energy, food supply, and governments. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Davidoff of Geneva. Introducing the new Avo Caribe. Experience the journey of flavor created by a synchronized blend of tobaccos from the Caribbean accentuated with a touch of lively fillers from Central America. Head to the land where palms sway to the breeze of the sea with the new Avo Caribe. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com and by Gurkha. The world's finest cigars, including the new Gurkha Revenant, the five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in both Corojo and Maduro presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. Well, we are midway through the summer season, even though summer doesn't end until really, what is it, September 20th, 22nd, something along those lines, the autumnal equinox. But when you really think of summer, to me, it's June, July, August. We're right through the midway point. And usually when we talk about summer, that is the time of year where the Premium Cigar Association, formerly known as the IPCPR, formerly known as the RTDA, holds their annual convention in a sweltering Las Vegas, Nevada. And we will get to that momentarily. But first up, it is your global five-star general, alpha male-in-chief, Cigar Dave, reporting for duty front and center from Humidor 1A, Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida, USA. And I extend to you, as always, not only my long-ass greetings and salutations, but... Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. We are getting bombarded by stupidity, by betas, which we will get to a little bit later on, and, of course, by the climate change greenies, these absolute wackadoodles, these nutcases that believe that airplanes should have windmills on the top of them, on the top of the wings. We don't need fuel. We don't need carbon uh, fossil fuels. It is all a giant con job, a hoax, as we are finding out that we will get to later on in the show. But first up, the Premium Cigar Association Convention. I have talked to many of my classified intel agents that were working it. I did not attend last year, did not attend this year. And the reason being is that, first of all, I just didn't feel like schlepping out to 115-degree Las Vegas in the middle of the summer. And the convention is really a shadow of what it once was. The Big Four pulled out three years ago. Altadas USA, General Cigar, Davidoff of Geneva, and Drew Estate. They felt that they weren't, they were the largest manufacturers in terms of booth space. They were paying the nut, they were paying the freight, and they felt uh, that they were not having their concerns addressed. And there are a number of concerns that took place over the years. I'm not going to get into a whole uh, uh, dissertation on those. 
various issues, but amongst them, they felt that the convention needed a facelift. It was the same old thing every year for the past 30 years, that times have changed, businesses have changed, convention attending habits have changed, the attendance has been marginal. It's been in the same spot in Vegas now for probably, I don't know, eight, nine years. And I also think it's at the wrong time of year, and I've been stating this for 20 years. Ever since the smoking bans in the United States took effect, and you have to remember that at one time, if you wanted to smoke cigars indoors in a restaurant, in, in a hotel lobby, no problem, have at it. Climate wasn't an issue. You could smoke inside wherever you liked. And then, of course, we started to see the smoking restrictions in California, pushing people outside. And then, of course, we saw the smoking restrictions even outside at restaurants and golf courses and, and public sidewalks, public beaches. So people are really, cigar connoisseurs are confined to really smoking cigars either at their tobacconist or at their home, in their, on their patio, on their deck, their man cave. Well, for those connoisseurs that live in the Northeast, that live in the Midwest, the Pacific Northwest, it is not optimal to go outside in the middle of December or January when it's 10 or 15 or 20 degrees outside and, and snow and wind to light up a cigar. It's not a pleasant experience. But what we have seen is that there is a somewhat seasonal component now to enjoying cigars, cigar sales. Sure, you have the Christmas rush and Father's Day, but where we really see the peak sales now are between April and October. Why? Just as I mentioned, if you live in Buffalo or you live in Bangor, Maine, or you live in Duluth, Minnesota, don't you know, or you live in Grand Forks, North Dakota, or you live in Seattle, it is not enjoyable to smoke cigars outside during the winter months. Very simple. But in the summer months, spring, summer, fall, magnificent. So in the past, the manufacturers would congregate around July or August for the Cigar Retailers Convention. And I called it, I've always called it the Cigar Retailers Convention. It's been called the Retail Tobacco Dealers Association, the International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailers Association. Now it's the Premium Cigar Association. But for all practical purposes, it has always been the Cigar Retailers Association Convention. So the, the cigar retailers and the manufacturers have gotten together going way back, I think 90, 100 years, and we're talking July or August. Now, that was great when you were going to release cigars in time for the Christmas season. So you, you'd meet in July, August, and you would start shipping the cigars in October, November. Wonderful. Well, times have changed. So the best time for manufacturers to launch new brands, new cigars, is in the late winter, March or early spring, right around March, April. Because then the retailers can get the cigars, the new cigars, and now the connoisseurs have April, May, June, July, August, September, October, sometimes even into November to enjoy sitting outside. That is peak cigar smoking season now. But again, the powers that be, and I have heard the nonsense from the association over 20 years saying, oh, we've surveyed manufacturers, and they all say they'd rather have it in the summer. Well, what's amazing is I've spoken to numerous manufacturers and numerous retailers, and they all tell me the same thing. 
the best time to have the convention is not in the summer. It would be in late winter to early spring. And when I say early spring, I'm talking just before Easter, Passover, right in that March area. In fact, I thought it should be right around February. You could have it in Florida. You could have it in Miami, in the Cigar City of Tampa. You could get smoking uh, exemptions for the convention centers. And then if you wanted to have it in Vegas, fine, have it in Vegas. Or you could regionalize it. Have one in Vegas and have one over on the East Coast, pre uh, preferably Florida. And the attendance would be far better. You'd get retailers from the Northeast, the Midwest, the Pacific Northwest, that would love to escape winter weather, that would love to come down to Florida. But, alas, here we are. It's still in the middle of the summer. So I decided, after seeing that the major manufacturers, and most of the manufacturers are located in Florida, I see them all the time, but I have my network of Intel spies who attended. So let me give you a quick recap. The manufacturers that were there, especially the, the well-known manufacturers, the Perdomos, the Gurkhas, the Rocky Patels, the Fuentes, the Padrones, they did well. They did fine. There were a plethora of new cigar entrants into the market. Don Nobodies, as they said. If you, if you go back to the big cigar renaissance, the cigar boom of 1995, 96, 97, 98, there was a term that the cigar manufacturers used called Don Nobodies or Don Garbage. You know, you've heard of Don Juan, Don Julio. In, in Spanish, there's always a Don. You know, Don, Don Ramon, Don Marco, Don Juan, you name it. So they called the... Nobody's cigars, either Don Nobody or Don Garbage, because they didn't use aged tobacco. They were just putting tobacco, they were rolling it and selling it. And at the time, people wanted cigars, they bought the Don Garbage. Now, I'm not saying these cigars today are Don Garbage. There are many new entrants, and many of the new entrants think that they can come in and charge $20, $30 a cigar. I'm sorry, you're not going to get that price point when you can get a Padron Family Reserve for less than that, probably in the $25, $28 category, or a Davidoff, or some of the other name brands, a Fuente Fuente Opus X, a Diamond Crown. So there were a, a plethora of new entrants. Guaranteed that in the next year to 18 months, 70, 80% of those will drop out, and we'll probably find two, three that will make it that will do very well. One of these cigar brands that I discovered, this is uh, about three years ago, maybe four years ago now, uh, in Vegas, a brand called Nova Cigars, N-O-V-A, Nova. Beautiful, super premium cigars, fantastic construction, fantastic cigar tobaccos, great blends, just exceptional band artwork, packaging, and it's one of the home runs. I stated at the time, I said, this is a home run. And, of course, they're back again, and they've done very well. I heard their booth did very, very well. But the attendance of retailers was down. number of, of attendees that I spoke to said they were going to stay three days. instead of the, you know, the, the convention ran Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and half-day Tuesday. And several of the attendees that I talked to said they were going to stay three days. They cut it short, and they said by the second afternoon they were done. All they needed to see, all they needed to buy, and that was the end of that. So the PCA is at a crossroads. The question is, will they adapt? You have to change with the times, or the times will change you. Now, people have said that those that attended, again, 
did well, some of the manufacturers. But one interesting note, the convention used to take the two, three of the halls at the Las Vegas Sands Expo Center. Now I think it's maybe takes one and a half, and many of the booth exhibitors, the manufacturers, Perdomo, Ashton, that used to have extravagant booths that were the, the size of a city block, they've chopped it way down. They're taking maybe a fifth of the space, and they're not, not bringing all their, their sales reps. They're bringing maybe half. So things have changed on that front. The good news is there are some great cigars that are being launched. We spoke of some of the new cigars over the past several weeks. We will continue doing so over the next month to six weeks. Some very nice new cigars. I've got samples already sent to me. We will enjoy those during the litation and libation ceremony over the next couple of months. And I will, of course, give you all the reports, what you need to look out for when you go to your retailer. So that when you walk into your retailer, you'll say, ah, the general told me about that brand new Gurkha Revenant Connecticut that's only available in a special pack. And by the way, that is one of the featured selections of the June Officers Club. Now, I want to make a very quick statement. All the cigar manufacturers have been back-ordered, supply issues. They are getting whacked like every other industry in the world right now. Cigar industry getting whacked, whether or not being able to get bands or boxes or waiting for the, the, the needing rollers. Rollers are getting up and leaving from Honduras and Nicaragua, making their way to the Mexican-American border. Thank you, uh, Joe. Joe did that. Thanks, brain-dead Biden. So difficult times in the cigar industry right now in terms of manufacturing and catching up because the demand was just so excessive. So the June Officers Club selection is going out next Friday. And the reason we had a delay, one of the three cigars, it's a, a Gurkha Revenant vertical sampler featuring the Corojo, the Maduro, and the brand new Connecticut. Our Officers Club members will be the first in the world to enjoy the brand new Gurkha Revenant Connecticut. It is coming your way. It'll be shipped next Friday. It had to go through the aging process. They weren't ready. Gurkha, when I spoke to the powers that be, they said, General, we will not release it until it's ready. So an email went out yesterday to all of our members informing you that it will come your way, albeit delayed. Now, in the interim, no July selection. So if you're an Officers Club member, your credit card was not billed for July, and we will not have an August selection. Again, we cannot, we just do not want to get into a perpetual state where we're just two, three weeks behind shipping cigars. I would rather bite the bullet and not have any of our members worry about getting their cigars way late. We, we normally charge credit cards on the first of the month. We like to get the shipments out between the 15th and the 20th. We've been way late the last couple of shipments. So until we can catch up, and we know from the manufacturers that they have them in-house ready to go, we will not be doing a July or an August Officers Club. Your credit cards will not be billed. Fear not. You're still in our database. Come September, we hope that we will have our selections for then. September, October, November, December, you will still be in queue, so fear not. But you will be amongst the first to sample the Gurkha Revenant Connecticut, which will only be available, by the way, in a special sampler pack. It will not be a box cigar from Gurkha. It'll be very, very limited. You are one of the exclusive cigar connoisseurs, if you're an Officers Club member, that will receive that. So that is it on the PCA 
front, but I will have all the reports. And I got to tell you, I did not miss schlepping to Vegas. Getting on an airplane, five hours, 110, 115 degree heat, and then schlepping back. You hit a point where you say, you know what, do I really want to do that? And certainly getting on a plane for a convention that is just a fraction of what it was when, again, I'm getting all the information and seeing all the manufacturers one-on-one, and I will, of course, relay all that information to you. Interesting legal development in the world of cigars. Arturo Fuente, which owns the Fuente Fuente Opus X trademark, has been very protective of their trademark. Now, they went through a big lawsuit with Opus X wine from Mondavi, which was a, a I'm not mistaken, it is a joint venture between Mondavi and another wine, uh, a wine vintner. I cannot remember the exact name, but there was a huge lawsuit. And I remember Carlito Fuente telling me, he said, we we're spending millions because we believe we're right, and they ended up winning the lawsuit. That there is no, the, the Opus Wine, Opus X winery came in and said that many people would confuse the X, Opus X, with Fuente Fuente Opus X. And the judge sided with Arturo Fuente's cigar. Well, Arturo Fuente has been very, very protective of their trademark. And recently, General Cigar, in fact, I told you about this either last week or the week before, General Cigar, which owns the CAO brand, just came out with a new cigar entitled the BX3, Brazilian Tobacco Times 3. And on the band, it's got CAO, very colorful, and then there's like a little subtle X on the band. Well, Arturo Fuente's cigar was not happy about it. And so, and by the way, the cigars have not even shipped yet. They were just announced. And pictures of the cigar and the, the, the box and the, and the band were distributed, obviously, in a press release to various media. Well, Arturo Fuente sent a cease and desist letter to General Cigar, arguing that the CAO BX3 violated Arturo Fuente's Fuente Fuente Opus trademark for the use of the letter X for cigars. And General said that the letter indicated that if they didn't cease to use the X mark and any other Fuente trademarks by July 8th, Arturo Fuente Cigar reserves the right, and I'm quoting here, reserves the right to take whatever action it deems necessary to protect its valuable trademark rights without further notice. So General Cigar, in a preemptive move, decided that they would file a motion with the court, the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia, uh, uh, filing a complaint stating that the letter was vague, didn't specify what Arturo Fuente wanted General Cigar to do, that General Cigar is, is not infringing on Fuente's trademark or trademarks with the CAO BX3 or with any other CAO products that have also used X in the name. And then General Cigar stated, their attorneys stated, that on July 7th, they were still, the law firm was still going through clearing conflicts to make sure that there were no conflicts with, for example, did they represent Arturo Fuente at any time or were there any conflicts of interest? And then on July 8th, 
Arturo Fuentes' attorney replied with an even harsher email, threatening to seek damages, demanding that General Cigar immediately cease use of the infringing BX3 mark and logo, including shipment, distribution, and sales. The complaint filed by General Cigar wants, uh, is seeking a declaratory judgment that would enter an order that General Cigar is not infringing on any valid enforceable trademark or trade dress allegedly owned by Fuente Cigar. They're seeking attorney's fees, costs, and expenses, and to grant General Cigar such other and further relief as this court may deem just and proper. And General Cigar's argument is that people will not confuse the CAO BX3 product or cigar with a Fuente Fuente Opus X. Because they're saying that General Cigar already uses X in the product, the CAO CX2, the CAO Extreme, and other cigars. Now, I don't know, I've always found, and I know that I've spoken with my contacts in the cigar industry, I've known probably there's been 20 occasions minimum minimum, where inadvertently a cigar manufacturer will infringe on the trademark of another cigar manufacturer. And I would say in 19 of 20 of those cases, they've been resolved amicably simply by the manufacturer that's getting, that believes they're being infringed, picking up the phone, the president or one of the senior executives of the company picking up the phone and calling the other company, the owner or the executive saying, listen, we're not sure if you're aware, we're, it probably was an oversight, that you're infringing on our mark. And I can tell you that there has been, I know of four or five cases offhand where the manufacturer receiving the call apologized profusely, said, I'm sorry, whatever, I want to make it right, and then basically negotiated a deal whereby they could sell whatever remaining product they had, whether it was 30,000 cigars, 50,000, so they could clear that out so that the offending manufacturer wouldn't have to throw out all the bands and labels as long as they uh, uh, agreed to stop using it at a date certain or after the packaging was done. And it's always been done amicably. Now, I, do not, I don't know if this was done, uh, was done in this case. It sounds to me like it wasn't. It sounds to me like the Fuente lawyers just simply dictated a letter to general's attorneys and that was that or their general's executive. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe Carlito Fuente picked up the phone and talked to Regis Borsma, who is the president of General Cigar and the executive vice president of Scandinavian Tobacco. And maybe they did have a conversation. I don't know. But from reading the filing, it seems as if that wasn't the case which would baffle me, which would make me pause, say, why wouldn't you just pick up the phone, executive to executive, and say, look, we think there's a, there's a violation on this particular band. It's not that we've got a problem with the uh, BX2, but it's the, the X that's on the band. If you change it, whatever, hey, let's work it out. But it doesn't seem like that was the case. Now, to me, it would seem, why get into a, an extremely litigious cr uh, stance right from the get-go? I've always believed, pick up the phone if there's an issue and try to work it out. Nine times out of ten, maybe more, hey, no problem. The cigar industry is a very amicable industry. And I can tell you that there's been times where major manufacturers 
small guys picked up the phone and said, look, I don't know if you realize this, but you know, you're kind of infringing on our trademark. Now, these are large manufacturers that could say, hey, fine, go sue us. We've got much, much deeper pockets, and we've got lawyers, and we'll just you know, uh, litigate it to death, and we'll put you out of business. They don't do that. And I know several large manufacturers that have said, hey, apologize, we'll correct it, didn't realize it, they work again. They work it out amicably. Hey, whatever product, uh, trade dress you have, the boxes, the bag, just finish it. And then, or by date certain, if today is, uh, if it's mid-July, by the end of November, whatever you still have left, if you could just destroy it and put everything, you know, manufacture with the new bands that don't infringe in our mark. Yeah, sure, great. Hey, and I can tell you that I have seen at the Cigar Retailers Convention, I have seen manufacturers who've gone through this where they go and have a drink and shake hands and they're like, yep, great, got it done. I know of two manufacturers that told me, yep, we're going to work it out. They went, they had a drink, they had a cigar, and in 10 minutes it was worked out. That's how you should work out a disagreement. Pick up the phone, not to your attorney first, but to the executive of the company you believe is infringing on your trademark. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe Arturo Fuente Cigar and their executives did that. But from reading this complaint, not sure that was the case. But if they did, then hey, fine. They reached out, and if they couldn't work it out, they couldn't work it out. But certainly it seems like uh, you know, to keep continue threatening from an attorney with even harsher language doesn't really seem to fit the bill. Sometimes pick up the phone, get together for a cocktail, fire up a cigar, and solve the difference solve the issue that would seem to me the better path to take so we will keep an eye on it but again for many years cao has had their lines of cigars that have the letter x in there we will keep an eye on that and if there's any info we will of course send that along to you the good news is it shouldn't affect your ability to go and buy us a cao bx3 because they've got the blend, if they change the name or they change the packaging, if it's a great cigar, you'll still be able to buy it. That is the good news from the consumer perspective. When we continue right around the corner, we will conduct the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers... Full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. I have not smoked a Davidoff-branded cigar in ages. Now, when I say Davidoff, I'm not I'm referring to the Davidoff Davidoff. For example, Davidoff owns Avo and Camacho. I'm I've had Avos, I've had Camachos, but I'm talking about the Davidoff White Label. And one of my favorite cigars from the Davidoff Anniversario White Label series is the number 3. It is a Toro. 
Six inches in length with a 50 ring gauge. It is a nice mild to medium bodied cigar. Very, very pleasant. Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, Dominican binder, Dominican filler. It is a nice creamy cigar. Some nice notes of spice. Just a very pleasant cigar that goes great with espresso, with a single malt, with, to me, Gentleman Jack would be great, and even cognac. Beautiful cigar. Again, not overly powerful. Super premium stick. You're talking suggested retail price of $28. But a very lovely cigar, very nice, special occasion cigar. May not be the cigar that you smoke every day, but maybe once a month, a couple of times a month, you certainly can't go wrong with anything from Davidoff and the Davidoff Anniversario number three, my cigar selection today. Cigar altering and highly sharpened leaf exposing device. I have, as you can hear, as I am doing some finger exercises to make sure that I keep my fingers in proper cigar cutting form, a self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready for cutting maneuvers. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave Research and Development Labs, I have the Cigar Dave Five Star. Five jet flames arranged like the Pentagon, Pentagon shape. Nice uh, butane tank, translucent, I can see through. It's got a built-in cigar piercer, cigar bullet cut. Very nice lightweight lighter. Definitely what you want to take outside. If you're playing golf, if you're fishing, you're an avid outdoorsman, you get a little wind, no problem. This thing, cut right through it. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Oh, perfect cut. As always, by this five star. Let me now toast the foot of this cigar. Remember, we are holding the cigar at a 45 degree angle. I have the lightation straight up, pointed up, and I'm not placing the flames, these massive flames, into the cigar. I'm allowing heat to cause combustion. I don't want to toast, I don't want to char this cigar. This isn't a steak. I want to just gently toast the foot of this cigar, allowing heat to cause combustion. Okay, I've got the wrapper. Now I'm going to toast the filler, the center portion. Listen to that flame, the flame, five flames coming off of this CD five star. Now I will puff and rotate. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mmm. 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 Excellent. Low on the foot of the cigar. Perfect, even amber glow. Just, I'm allowing the cigar smoke just to waft all around me. Just very, very pleasant. Mm. Mm. This is just a approachable, gentle, pleasant stick. I mean, that's just the best way to describe it. Creamy, touch of sweetness, a little bit of spice but just not overpowering. And sometimes that's exactly what you want. You don't want a cigar that's going to fight you. You don't need to be smoking a cigar on a scale of 1 to 10 that is a 10 in terms of flavor strength all the time. People say, well, what's your favorite cigar? My answer is whatever I'm smoking at the time. And they say, well, what do you smoke primarily? Mild or full? I said, I smoke everything. 
Sometimes I'm in the mood for a mild. Sometimes I want a super full. Sometimes I want a nice Maduro for that sweetness. Sometimes I want the Cameroon. It's all over the place. It's whatever you enjoy. Variety is the spice of life, and certainly your palate appreciates the variety. Here I take a few more puffs. Mm. Delicious. Absolutely lovely cigar rolled, aged down in Republica Dominicana. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. I have been in the mood for a cognac for, I think, the last two weeks. And every time I go to reach for a cognac, I reach for I end up drinking something else. Whether it's Gentleman Jack or it's a single malt, whatever the case is, I'm always missing on the cognac that I've been just desiring the past two weeks. So today I said, that's it. I've got a bottle of cognac here at Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A that was staring at me. It is a beautiful-looking bottle, the Camus, C-A-M-U-S, not to be confused with Camus Winery in California. That's C-A-Y-M-U-S. This is C-A-M-U-S Grand VSOP Cognac, a blend of over 50 individual cognacs from the main cognac-growing districts. Beautiful bottle, very elegant bottle. And VSOP, this is one of their big sellers in their portfolio. What does VSOP stand for? Now, we hear in Cognac, there are various grades. We hear VS or XO or VSOP or Napoleon. What does it mean? VSOP stands for Very Superior Old Pale, meaning the youngest brandy is aged for at least four years in a cask. XO is extra old. The minimum age of the youngest brandy in an XO, 10 years. XXO is extra, extra old, minimum spirit, 14 years. So, for example, if they blend 50 cognacs, they can't say, well, this one is, is, is three years, this one is five years, it averages four. No, 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 no. The minimum age has to be four years. So you could have some that are eight, some that are 10. Some that are four, some that are five, but the minimum is four years. VS is two years. But VSOP, I find, is nice representative. Look, I love XO. You definitely notice a big difference, but talking about more expensive, but you can't go wrong with a VSOP, very superior old pale. And Camus, very nice house. Been around for a long time in France. They've got numerous expressions. Their Camus XO is magnificent, but again, you're going to be talking probably 200 bucks uh, for a Camus XO. But the one that I am just selecting, the Camus Grand VSOP, you're talking anywhere between probably 55 to 60 bucks. Very nice, as I've just poured it. Let me say, well, it doesn't have a great sound to it off the bottle. We'll say cheers. Now, right off the bat, wow. Mm, getting some wonderful notes on here. Some maple, some uh, pear, almost peach. Take a sip. Mm. Oh my, that is pleasant. Wow. Let me take another sip. Mm. Very floral in taste. Wow. Beautiful scent, beautiful aroma, beautiful taste, very aromatic, very fruity. 
I'm definitely getting some oak, some nice sp uh, spice, and actually getting a, a ton of vanilla notes on the palate. Let me take a puff. My Davidoff anniversary number three. And a sip of my Grand or Camus Grand VSOP. Mmm, wonderful combination. I hit a home run. Cannot go wrong. Again, you're not going to break the bank. You're talking 55, 60 bucks for a lovely bottle of Camus VSOP. Minimum age, four years. Very pleasant. Think you will enjoy this. If you like spice, fruitiness, vanilla, this would be the way to go. So, when we return, Beta Personified in Val, uh, Uvalde, Texas. Absolute unconscionable what we saw on the just-released video showing what cops did and did not do for an hour and ten minutes while school children were being terrorized and slaughtered. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. This week, the media was able to get their hands on the video of the attack that took place in Uvalde, Texas at the grade school in Uvalde. Now you can hear that, you can learn the facts that for an hour and 10 minutes police did nothing. You can hear some PR person saying, well, you know, we we're waiting for the appropriate time or we went into a, we found it was more of a hostage situation. That's all well and good. But when you actually watch the video, which, by the way, was edited, they removed the screams, the shots of the little school kids being murdered, being executed, and the screams. But when you watch this videotape, or this video, it's not videotape, it's digital now, showing these officers... Standing around, backing up, doing nothing, retreating. They may as well all have been French. I mean, every one of these, these, these SOBs would be great in the French Army because to be considered for candidacy in the French Army, the first task you must master is surrendering and retreating. And that is exactly what these Uvalde, Uvalde, Texas cops, and there were other cops in there. There were, they had the school district, they had the city, I think there were some county sheriffs. Within two, three minutes, I think two minutes when I watched the video, they were in the building. They could hear the shots. They already had their weapons. They had their, their, their tactical gear on. And they started making their way to the classroom. And once they heard shots, instead of running towards the classroom and just shooting that door down and just going all in and finding that son of a bitch kid and whacking him, 
What did they do? They retreated. Every stinking one of them. We always hear, oh, our first responders, police, they are so brave. We should, we should bow down to them. We should honor them. Bullshit. Half the world is stupid. No more than half. Let's just say 55 to 60% of the world is stupid. You come across stupid people every day. We're not. There is a certain intellectual level of the listener towards this show. It has been that way since day one. Now, you don't have to have 10 degrees. You don't have to uh, attend an Ivy League school to be learned, to be wise, to be up-to-date on current events, to not be stupid. I cannot tell you the number of people that have advanced degrees from Ivy League schools who are big income earners, top quarter of 1%, that are stupid. Stupid is a state. It is a state where people either choose to be naive, choose to be uninformed, choose to not use their brain to full capacity, and choose not to use common sense. The Uvalde, Texas police, and again, when I say Uvalde, Texas police, I'm grouping everyone that was there. Some were from the city, some were from the school district, some were from the county, some were, uh, could have been from the, the Texas Rangers. I'm grouping them all together, using that as a generic term. There was massive stupidity that was on display in that school. What was it already, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whenever it was. I think it was, what, mid-May? Sergeant Steve, what was it, mid-May on that? I, I can't remember offhand when that took place. It sounds about right. It was right before yeah. the end of school, so. Right, and I do remember, right, mid-May, and, and I know that the mayor of Uvalde was very upset because the media got a copy of it, a leaked copy, saying it was chicken shit for the media, that the, they couldn't even get the families, and they were going to meet with the families in a few days. I'm sorry. You've had two months to review that video, and get to the families. It should have been done in the first two weeks. They purposely didn't do it because they look like a bunch of horses' asses. They look stupid. They look weak. They look pathetic. Just watching and seeing their actions, not only is it mortifying, it was repulsive. These men disgust me. Nobody wants to put their life on the line. But when you sign up to be a cop or a, a, a firefighter, you know you're going to be put into risky situations. Now, there's a reason why that if you serve 20 years on the police force or, or in the fire department, most municipalities have exceptional benefits. If you have 20 years, you're eligible for an excellent retirement. And if you're, I think, 25 years at a certain age, I think age 50, You're talking about exceptional benefits, lifetime retirement benefits, fully funded retirement plan, no 401k, fully retirement on the taxpayer's dole. So when I hear cops say, well, we're underpaid, that's bullshit. They're not underpaid. Okay, when you look at the salaries that the cops are making and the benefits and the retirement benefits, that's not true. Now, they'll say, well, it's a dangerous profession. I don't disagree. But nobody forced 
a man or woman to become a police officer. Nobody forces a man or woman to become a firefighter. There are inherent risks with any job. And I'm not minimizing the risks, because every day they do go out, you're right, something could happen. I don't minimize that in any way, shape, or form. But part of their job is to protect and serve. What do we say? I remember the police cars, the L.A. police, on all the TV shows, to protect and serve. Well, did the Uvalde police protect in that school in mid-May? Did they serve properly and nobly in mid-May? The answer to both questions is a resounding negative. They did not. And to watch them stand around as they hear kids screaming, as kids even during this ordeal are calling 911, and there are reports going to these cops. They all have their earphones in. They've got their, their radios stating we're getting more 911 calls from, from kids that are inside. And they stood around for an hour and 10 fucking minutes and did nothing. Bullshit, oh, we're waiting for a key, we're waiting for this, we're waiting for tactical, we're waiting for RPGs, we're waiting for tanks, we're waiting for the 82nd Airborne to come in. Not one display of alpha decisiveness, of alpha leadership. Not one lick of displaying the highest properties of being an alpha male. And that is, grab the bull by the horns, don't overthink it. Get in, overpower that son of a bitch, terrorist, kill him, and save lives. That's simple. That's simple. Within two minutes, they were there. They should have shot that fucking door down, get all the rifle, all the ammo, knock that damn door down, and go and whack that kid. But instead, they stood around. They, and when you watch them back away, hiding behind the corners of the wall, it is pathetic. And there was one off-duty police officer that wanted to go in and save his wife and the kids, and he was blocked. Nope, can't go. They threatened to arrest him. Again, stupidity runs rampant in this world. Now, thank goodness, you and I, we're not stupid. We're intelligent. We have common sense. But when you look at the stupidity that was on display, the weakness... Just how pathetic. It is truly mortifying. As an alpha male, I'm an alpha male. You're alpha males. You watch this, you say, what in the hell were they doing? Hiding, retreating, looking at their watches. While they hear the sound of gunfire, they hear kids screaming, kids being murdered, and they did nothing. I'm sick and tired of hearing that every goddamn cop should be idolized. That every police, they're our first responders. They're so brave. They don't make mistakes. Just like the rest of the world, that we say half to 55% of the world is stupid, half of cops are stupid. I'm not demeaning them. I'm not trying to slander them. I'm simply stating the fact. You've seen it, I've seen it. Derek Chauvin, in Minneapolis. Was he stupid? Was he displaying stupidity when he's got a guy with his knee for I don't know how long and he can't breathe? And the guy is, and Floyd is saying, George Floyd, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Fine, you want to keep him down? Take your foot off. 
You're not going anywhere. Stupidity. Well, Derek Chauvin's paying for his stupidity. His life's over. He's finished. He's not going to see the light of day anytime soon. I've dealt with cops. I'll never forget one time. Sergeant Steve, you remember when we had our headquarters over at the old JCOR Gandhi Complex in South Tampa, not far from McDill Air Force Base. And I was leaving, leaving the complex one uh, late afternoon. It's probably about 6 o'clock. And there, there's uh, two cop cars sitting there. And so I didn't know if maybe was there a threat to the building? Was there something going on? And so I just pulled up as I was walking out and went to them and said, hey, what's going on? And both of these cops were testosteroided up. Okay, all the testosterone, all the injections, you know, the, the veins bulging out of their head. We know someone like that, Sergeant Steve, don't we? I believe we do. We do. We do, that's right. Bulging out of their head, the, 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 the big guns, and when I say big guns, they're big, you know, they're, they're big muscles, uh, you know, in their arms and, and the shoulders. And they're wearing a, a shirt size probably three sizes too small so that they're, you know, they're, their muscles are all bulging out. So I said to the guy, to both the guys standing there, I said, hey, what's going on? Doesn't concern you, sir. I said, okay, well, is there anything? I said, you know, we're working this building. Just want to make sure everything's okay. I said, sir, it doesn't concern you. Step back. Now, step back. I was probably eight feet from where these assholes were, were sitting. So I said, look, there's no need. I'm just simply asking if it affects your on, you're on the property here. So I'm just asking if there's an issue. Sir, don't make me repeat myself. I said, no problem. Can I get your, your, badge, your names and badge numbers? Then they started to get a little aggressive. And I'm friendly with the deputy police chief, it was at the time. So I said, look, it is my right to ask for your names and your badge numbers. That's it. I'm not attacking you. I'm not uh, interfering with any investigation. I mean, maybe I was interfering with them eating their donuts and their coffee. Got their names, called the assistant chief, deputy chief, and I said, look, just want to let you know. I said, where do I file a complaint? Filed a complaint. They were brought in. They were reprimanded. The problem is we're seeing more and more of that. Now, I'm not defund the cops. I'm not anti-cop. What I am is getting rid of bastard cops. We got a lot of bad news cops in this country. And the bad news cops we saw on display in Uvalde, Texas, they should all resign. They shouldn't be asked. To, they shouldn't be fired. They should resign voluntarily. Make them watch that and say, what does it feel like to have no balls, no testosterone, and be a complete, total beta pussy? They should just quit. Do the honorable thing. We got a lot of bad cops out there. Got a lot of dumb cops out there. And we're seeing now that it's tough to get cops. So what's happening? The standards are going lower. New York City just announced before you'd have to take a drug test. Couldn't use marijuana. Now they've waived that. Great. What kind of applicants you think they're going to get? The problem is the cop of today is different than the cop 30, 40, 50 years ago. The cop from 50 years ago, many of them walked the beats. They knew who their constituents were. They had great relationships with business owners and, and with, with residents and kids. They knew what was going on. They were approachable. Many of these cops today, they're all loaded up with testosterone. They're all on a power kick. A lot of psychopaths that are in the police forces these days. And I know we've got a lot of cop listeners. And I know they've told me. They've said, General, what you say is correct. And we want them out. 
Believe me, the good cops want the bad cops out. Do you think that bad cops present good cops in a positive light? The answer is no. They're embarrassed by it. They want them gone. But of course, you've got bureaucracy and you've got the police unions and you've got it's very difficult to get rid of some of these clunkers. But you've got bad cops. And we've got a very different cop today where they're not as approachable. The story I, I told you. Simply, here's somebody coming out of a building. Hey, what's going on? All he would have had to say is, no, nothing, we're just monitoring something or we're on a break or whatever. Or, yeah, you know, we're, we think there could be something going on. Nothing to concern you, but, you know, we're just going to keep an eye. Oh, yeah, great, sure. You guys need anything? If you need to use the laboratory, let me give you the code to get in. Let me tell you where it is. Because I would have gladly done that. But we have a different type of cop today. Not everyone, but a significant number. These guys, get up, they're on a power trip. They're psychopaths. You see it, I see it, we all see it. The good cops see it. And when you see bad cops on display in Uvalde, Texas, with no moral, with no backbone, with, with no shred, how can you sit and listen to children being slaughtered by a terrorist and retreat and stand there and do nothing? It is beyond the pale of comprehension to me. You hear that going on. Act. They were all loaded with long guns. They all had big weapons. They all had their bulletproof vests. Some of them had even more of the tactical gear on. Go in, neutralize the enemy. Simple game. But again, for stupid cops, not that simple. And I can tell you that talking to a couple of cops that I see over where I enjoy cigars now and then, that stated, they, have, they said, listen, if I was in there, they said, there's no way I would have waited for a chief. I would have said, we're going in whether you like it or not. If that's a problem, so be it. But we're going to go and save lives. They're all mortified. Any decent cop, any good cop is mortified by what they saw. And then when we have the city, the mayor covering up, and we've got lies being told to the governor and lieutenant governor, and even the, the uh, Texas Department of Public Security, that is simply unacceptable. The governor should immediately step in, get rid of all those cops. They don't deserve to wear the uniform, wear the badge. Let them go work private security for a Keystone cop organization. But when it comes to protecting lives, forget it. Absolute disgusting display of pathetic, weak, betaness that when you watch the video, you will see specifically what I am discussing. Beta personified. Now, as I said, half the world is stupid. We saw a terrorist, a 19-year-old kid, Robert Cremo III, in Highland Park on July 4th, opened fire on innocent victims. I just uh, saw earlier this week a young boy, I don't know, seven, eight years old, nine years old, was in a coma, woke up, and uh, paraplegic. This Cremo kid should be executed on the spot. And so should his father. We talk about stupidity. We talk about people that don't use their brain. And we've got another perfect example. Robert Cremo Jr., the father of 
Robert Cremo III, 21, not 19, 21-year-old kid. And this kid, you look at this kid. Between the tattoos on his head and all the other nonsense, you know this kid has got serious psychological issues, serious mental issues. So much so that he threatened, the kid threatened everyone in his family, September 2019. Cops were called. They went in. They removed a dagger, a sword, and 16 knives from his home. Now, you've got two parents. You've got a mother and father. And I understand the mother's kind of a wackadoodle. But the father sees this. The family sees this. They see how this kid's got tattoos all over his head. Doesn't that ring an alarm? Doesn't that set off a bell saying, wait a minute, we've got a serious potential problem here. Our son needs serious mental assistance. Kid was isolated, freak, played video games, was a rapper, all the, all the traits that we've been talking about for umpteen years that we've been seeing over and over in these terrorists. Young adults, males, disenfranchised, no social life, clearly no role model, clearly no a father who said, we're going to get you help and we're going to get this squared away. Cops called to his house, threatened everyone, including his mother and father. The police remove, again, 16 knives, a dagger, a sword. Don't you think that's going to set up some alarm? I mean, you and I would say, okay, Houston, we have a problem. Well, three months later, Robert Cremo Jr., the father of the terrorist, Cremo III, sponsored his son when he applied for a firearm owner's identification card, an FOID. In Illinois, gun purchasers under 21 must have a parent or guardian sponsor the application and sign an affidavit stating they're allowing the purchase and agree to be held liable for any damages resulting from the applicant's use of a firearm or the firearms purchased. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. In Illinois, if a purchaser is under 21, they must apply for a firearms owner ID card. And the father who, or whoever, the adult that sponsors it, a parent or guardian, has to sign the affidavit stating they're allowing the purchase and they agree to be held liable for any damages resulting from the applicant's use of firearms. Three months prior, did the father forget that his own son threatened members of his family and the police had to be called? Did he just suddenly have amnesia and forget that? Instead of saying, sorry, you're not getting any firearm. I'm not sponsoring anything, and you need help. Instead, the father sponsors the application, even though the police deem the kid a clear and present danger. And the father now is coming out downplaying the 2019 threats to the family, saying it was just a childish outburst during interview. Really? Cops are called. They remove swords. They remove knives. He's a clear and present danger. And his dumbass father goes three months later and sponsors his own son with mental conditions up the yin-yang. 
for a firearm. The father said he backed his son's application, allowing him to buy the AR-15, since he thought his son was going to use it at a shooting range. Here's a quote. He bought everything on his own, and they're registered to him. You know, he drove there, he ordered them, he picked them up, they did his background check on each one. And he said, though, the father said, I am furious, though, in the aftermath of the July 4th massacre. And he said, I want a long sentence for my son. He made a choice. He didn't have to do that. I think there's mental illness there. Obviously, I didn't see a lot of it. You didn't see a lot of it? Your family is threatened three months before you sponsor your mentally ill son for a firearm owner's identification card? And you are shocked by this? You don't think there's mental illness? What did I just say? 55% of the world is stupid. Robert, Robert Cremo Jr., the father of the terrorist, Robert Cremo III, is Exhibit A for stupidity. The father, of course, said, hey, I had zero involvement in the massacre. Really? Yeah, you did. You allowed your son to go get those weapons. Now, even if you say, well, maybe the kid, when he turned 21, he would have gotten him on his own. Fine. But the father knew the son had a serious issue. You want to know how you eliminate a lot of these, a lot of these issues with these young males? We saw the terror shooter in Buffalo who came from Binghamton. Kid was a whack job dressing in personal pro or, 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 or hazmat gear, going to school, just a nutcase. And the parents knew this, and they saw this. And yet, what did they give him for his 16th birthday? They gave him a firearm, a long gun. I'm sorry. At what point do you say the parents need to take responsibility? And you know how to, how to solve this problem? You say simple. If a parent allows a purchase or purchases a firearm for someone under 21 or a kid where you know he's got mental issues and they go and murder someone, you're going to get charged duly. That's how you stop it. You think the parents would have looked and said, do we really want to give our son who's got kind of a little mental issue, do we really want to have a gun in his hand? You think this father, if you said, and the law was clear saying, by the way, you sponsor this kid and he does anything, you're going to jail too. If he murders one person, you get murder too. You watch how quickly that shit would stop. It would end pronto. But this nonsense that we are seeing between cops in Uvalde, Texas, who are just surrendering, absolute betas, total stupidity while kids are being massacred. And then this father in Highland Park, Illinois, his son threatens members of his family. You look at the kid, the tattoos the, all over his face. Kid was an absolute wackadoodle. And yet the father goes and sponsors him. That is stupidity. And let's go to a third example of stupidity because 55% of the world is stupid, including about 100% of all these woke and Democrat morons. Exhibit C now. We've gone Exhibit A, Exhibit B, here's Exhibit C. Earlier this week, Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, 
who is was on a, a conducting a Senate hearing. He is the on the uh, the minority side. There was a hearing focusing on abortion policy this past Tuesday, and one of the people that was testifying before the committee is a Berkeley law professor by the name of Kiara Bridges. Now, Kiara has a nice big nose ring right underneath her nose, and then she's got another ring on the side of her nose. I don't know what they're drinking in the water at Berkeley, but whatever it is, clearly it is affecting their mental state. And the proof is in the pudding. I want you to take a listen to the exchange between Senator Josh Hawley and Berkeley Law Professor Kiara Bridges, specifically when Kiara Bridges talks about or describes somebody who is pregnant. Hit it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to all of the witnesses for being here. Uh, before, uh, I, I want to visit with you, Ms. Metzke, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. It, would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's, uh, it's We can it's recognize that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it. Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is denying that dangerous. trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so you are denying that trans people like this thing. And that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you? Absolutely. Or are they also treated like this? Where no, no, you, they're no. They're told that to they're question. opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time questioning. in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow. I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot just I know. in this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Listen to her smugness. Kiara Bridges' smugness. Oh, you would learn a lot. You, you, you absolutely would learn a lot. This is what's being taught at Berkeley and colleges across the country. This is the pablum puke that is being regurgitated to our nation's collegiate students. And we wonder why the college students who are graduating come out hating America, wanting to destroy America, looking that America is evil. Here you go. Talk about stupidity. People with a capacity for pregnancy. There's only one person that can become pregnant, one gender. Females. That's it. Now, there are three genders, male, female, and freak. If you're a male, you can't get pregnant. If you're a freak, you can't get pregnant. Females get pregnant. It's that simple. 
This nonsense. Well, there's cisgender, there's transgender, quadragender. They could be have a capacity. Bullshit. And I love when 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 Josh Hawley was asked right up uh, when he was when he was asked about don't you believe that other people can become pregnant? And he said no, only women. Now I guarantee you, if a Democrat was asked on that, they would have said, boy, but of course. Or a Romney Rhino would have said, well, you know, you make your point. Maybe I should consider that. No. If I was asked that, and they said, well, General, do you believe that others besides women can get pregnant? I'd say, no, only women can get pregnant. If they have a uterus and ovaries, they can get pregnant. If they don't, they ain't getting pregnant. It's that simple. But when you listen, what, and she started to get very angry, when, and Holly was very calm, very controlled, and when he was making his point, you could hear her getting flustered. When he was rebutting to her, you could see she didn't get her way. And this is what we see. And she doesn't look that old. I, I got to believe. Let me, just, let me just do a quick, let me see if I can find a, uh, a, do a quick Google search on her and find out her age. She doesn't look that old, I will tell you that. But clearly, she is probably in that demographic where, again, they are perfect. They cannot be challenged. They cannot be criticized. Uh, she's 42. Okay, so she looks younger than that. So she's 42 years of age. So she's not a millennial and she's not Gen Z. But clearly, when she started to get pushback from Josh Hawley, she got very flustered. The snowflakes started to come out. Oh, you should come attend my class. I don't know what the hell she's teaching in that law class, but I'll guarantee you, whatever she's teaching, I'm not buying. And this is what we are seeing. And it's starting now in grade school, it's continuing in high school, it gets perpetuated in college and in post-secondary, in law schools and medical schools. Now we hear in medical schools, oh, we have to look at, at, at social justice and climate justice as a possible diagnosis of patients. Please, cut the absolute BS. Male, female, and freak, it's that simple. But this smug book yak just basically you, you it's the kind of thing you want to just say what you just, he had great decorum you just want to look at her and go what the fuck is wrong with you what have you been smoking but this is common what you see in berkeley and all these other these other institutions in these liberal bastions in california and berkeley certainly is one of them sergeant steve let's hit that audio one more time thank you mr chairman thanks to all of the witnesses for being here uh, before uh, i, I want to visit with you, Ms. Meske, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have 
attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my us, line of questioning. Because so we can't talk about it. Because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm is denying that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Are you? Do you believe you? that the, uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think. Can get <laughs> so you are denying that trans people exist, Thank and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this, where no, you, no, no, they're, they're told that to they're at opening up people to oh, violence? We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned a you, lot. Just I know. In this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Guarantee. Here's how her class works. If you disagree with her, you get an F. And by the way, start it. Uh, Trying to equate asking questions that you're transphobic and that 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 you're 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 murdering people. What kind of bullshit? This is the nonsense that we are the people are spewing now. That all of a sudden, if you just ask a question or engage in a debate, oh, you're endangering the lives. One in five commit suicide. I don't give a shit. Who cares? You think that's going to stop me from debating? They didn't commit suicide because of somebody debating whether or not a trans person can be pregnant. They committed suicide for some other reason. But all of a sudden now in this country where if you engage in debate, in disagreement, you don't agree with the left, you don't agree with the, the Democrat socialists, the Marxists, all of a sudden you are racist, you're homophobic, you're xenophobic, you're a threat to democracy. Since when have we become so soft in this country? Clearly, over the last 20 years, we've seen the snowflake generation, but it's getting worse and worse. That now, all of a sudden, any questions or any debate, nope, you're endangering the life. We can't have that. We must stifle, curtail any debate. That's really what the left wants. They're all for free speech, so long as you agree with their viewpoint. If not, you're racist, you're xenophobic, you're homophobic. So on and so on and so on. Now, I realize that 55% of the world, including the United States, is stupid. I understand that. But that does not give anybody a reason to say that you cannot debate and you cannot question. In fact, this country was founded on debate. This country was founding on questioning. Science, question people. Is that right? Is this wrong? Tell me your hypotheses. I challenge you on that. And one of the things we're talking about science that we will get into in our final and concluding segment is junk science, climate change, the greenies. They are destroying this planet. They're not saving the planet. They're destroying it, and there is a major, major revolt that is about to take place across the globe, and it has already begun. It started in Sri Lanka. We'll tell you about it right around the corner during our final and concluding segment of this edition of The Cigar Dave Show. I had the pleasure of knowing the late, great Avo Uvesian, the man behind the Avo lineup of cigars. And Avo had a great saying. He would tell me, savor every note. Well, one cigar that I can tell you, you will savor every puff, savor every note, is the Avo Heritage. It was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar. Strength, complexity, impeccable smoothness, Nice notes of spice. If you are looking for a cigar that delivers full-bodied richness, impeccable smoothness, savor every note of the spice-laden Avo heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. 
Be sure to subscribe to our brother podcast, Bold Alpha, where we talk the alpha male lifestyle, including cigars, libations, technology, grilling, politics, and more. Search Bold Alpha anywhere you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. But what is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. You have heard me rail against the climate change greenies, the climate change hoax, the myth that if we don't do anything to reduce carbon emissions and bring down the global temperature by one one-hundredth of a degree centigrade in the next 10 years, the Earth, the planet, will cease to exist. We've been hearing this for 50 years. I went back and started looking at old articles going back from 1970, 1972, and every 10 years, you hear the same thing. If we don't do anything now, by 1980, we'll be gone. And then in 1980, if we don't do anything, in, by 1990, the planet will disappear. We'll be all underwater. We hear this every time. Then it's 10 years. Now it's five years. Then it's seven years. We hear this over and over. Climate change hoax is nothing more than wealth transfer. Make the wealthy even wealthier at the top, and everyone else become essentially Russian serfs that will own nothing, that will be grateful for whatever morsels the elites throw down and hand down. I have stated that climate change greenies are destroying this planet. They are destroying energy. They're destroying food production. They are destroying and soon to topple governments. Case in point. If you look at what just took place in Sri Lanka, an Asian, small Asian country. The country decided that they were going to reduce, they wanted to reduce global emissions and they were going to, they wanted to reduce the amount of, of compounds in the air and basically they went and told their farmers, you can't do this, you can't do that. Well, all of a sudden, you got no food production. And now all of a sudden, they're beholden to China. They've been beholden to China. China has been has been funding their sovereign debt. China is the enemy. China goes in. Their model is very simple. Yeah, we'll loan you all the money you want. And by the way, you need a new airport, you need a new port, you need new infrastructure, a new bridge, new truck. Yeah, we'll loan it to you. But you have to use a Chinese contracting company. A Chinese company will operate it. Oh, and by the way, if you default, China owns it. And that's what's happening across the globe. They've got their Belt and Road Initiative, where they're going into countries all around the world, Countries, they're essentially like loan sharks. They're like the mob. You go in, they'll say, hey, we're happy to loan you all you need. Hey, listen, you know, Italy, you need a new port? No problem. You don't have $4 billion? We'll loan it to you, and we'll have one of our companies come in and build it for you. They'll run it for you. 
And if you default, we'll, we'll take over ownership. And that's exactly what's going on around the world. China's hated around the world. Hated. Sri Lanka owes billions to China. And so what happened? They've got this debt crisis. China doesn't want to. China extended more and more. They want you to keep refinancing. They're a perfect candidate for Chapter 11 bankruptcy if you did that with a country. And all of a sudden now you've got no money, no American dollars to buy energy. So there's no energy coming into Sri Lanka. People can't fill up their cars. There's no food production. And then they've, they've, they've decided they were going to follow all these bullshit World Economic Forum and EU global climate initiatives. And guess what? There's no food. And when that happens, you have massive rebellion. And you probably saw it on the news. The citizens of Sri Lanka stormed the prime minister's palace. They, they essentially forced him into exile. He got onto a ship, a military ship that took him out of the country. The president, you name it. There were, there were people, there were citizens that were swimming in the presidential pool, in the presidential or the, the uh, prime minister's palace. And it's not stopping in Sri Lanka. What the Greenies have done by essentially curtailing traditional carbon energy production and energy generation, they've wanted to stop any new natural gas. They've wanted to kill nuclear. Now they want more windmills, more solar. Well, that's not enough. It doesn't work in Texas this week. They came out and said there's probably going to be blackouts. Why? Because Texas hasn't kept up. With production, they've de decommissioned nuclear plants. They've been building more windmills and solar. And what happened this week? Hot temperatures, no wind. Bad combination. Doesn't work. They're baseload energy now with, with traditional carbon, good old-fashioned natural gas power plants. And, and nuclear has just dwindled and dwindled. And we're seeing it in the rest of the country. We're seeing it in Germany. We're seeing it in other parts of the world. In the Netherlands. The Netherlands are the second largest agricultural producer and exporter in the world. Blew me away when I heard that. Had no clue. Right behind the United States, number two is the Netherlands. And they have been farming on land that is essentially underwater. But they figured out a way to do it over the last two, three hundred years. Incredible farmers. And the World Economic Forum and the EU decided that there's too much nitrogen. They want to reduce nitrogen levels, even though nitrogen has no effect whatsoever on pollution, on, on carbon, on, on climate. Remember, it's all a hoax. The, the world has been around for billions of years. Let's just say millions of years. We've been keeping climatological records for what? 150 years, maybe? 170 years? That's a blip. It's like one speck of sand on a beach between... Key West and Panama City. It's a small speck in the whole scheme of things. But all of a sudden now, oh, everything's warming up. All these climate change greenies forget because they say now, oh, we've got, we've got hurricanes now, intense hurricanes, and there are earthquakes. And this is all because of climate. Uh, excuse me. Before there were automobiles, there were earthquakes. Before there were automobiles and there was uh, a carbon use of carbon fuel, there were hurricanes. The planet was covered with ice. Remember we had the ice age and it melted. Was that because of man-made fossil fuels? The answer is no. They don't want to accept that though.
This is all, again, about a political narrative. It is about wealth transfer. And so the Netherlands, the government unilaterally decided, Prime Minister, they are going to, they want to reduce the country's nitrogen emissions by a third because cows are a big part in farming, big part of nitrogen emissions. So what do they do? They're going to seize and buy the farmland from farmers. They're going to put them out of business. Well, the farmers weren't going to just sit by idly by. They said enough's enough. We've seen revolutions occur. We saw it happen in this country, 1776, when the colonists got fed up with the king, King Georgie baby. Sorry, Mick the Brit. When people get fed up, they will overthrow governments. Dynasties will fall. Republics will fall. We're not far away, my friends. We are not far away. Netherlands said, the farmers said, enough's enough. We are not going to sit idly by. You're not going to put our livelihood, you're not going to put us out of business over some capricious and arbitrary bullshit number because Klaus Schwab, a Nazi bastard that runs that globalist organization, and the European Union, they decide what arbitrary number should be acceptable. So they rebelled. They have been rebelling. Supermarkets are out of food in the Netherlands. The farmers said collectively, every farmer, even the farmers that were not having their farm seized, they all got in their tractors and they decided they were going to block roads, they're going to block government buildings, they're going to let the government know enough's enough. The Netherlands government very well could fall. We're seeing the same thing in Italy. What happens? You've got energy prices that are ridiculous. You've got massive inflation, food shortages, and people forget what is the number one component in farming? You need fertilizer. What's the number one component of fertilizer? Petroleum. A fossil fuel. You need petroleum. You need oil. That's how the world works. And so all of a sudden, if you don't have fertilizer, and you're growing less yield, a half the normal yield, you don't have enough food to, enough crops to, to send to market, People start starving, and then you get the revolts. We saw it in the Netherlands. We're going to start seeing it in Italy. It is spreading. In Germany, German government just announced they want to put price controls on the maximum price of natural gas. Natural gas has exploded the cost in Germany through the roof. And oh, by the way, the country that has no energy themselves, who decommissioned their nuclear plants, and who wants to get off of natural gas, and they want to go more green, they all of a sudden don't have enough energy production. And they just announced a few weeks ago, we're going to go back to coal. Remember how evil coal was? Oh, we can't have coal. It's dirty. And President Trump, I want clean, beautiful coal. Now all of a sudden, Germany is looking for coal. You're going to see coal come back in a big way. The world is fed up with these climate change nut jobs. So we are seeing energy production is falling, we're seeing food production is falling, and we're going to see governments begin to fall. And if you don't think it can happen here, we're on the verge here in the United States. The producer price index went up 11.3%. It was announced yesterday. That means how much producers, manufacturers, so for example, the General Mills, which makes, which makes cereal, the companies that make, uh, you name it, uh, whatever they're going to make, whether it's cars or, or other products, their prices went up 11.3%. Now, that's the government figure. 
And remember, the government figure is always skewed. They have adjusted that to make the figure look as low as possible. In reality, when inflation came out at, what, 9.5% several days ago, consumer price inflation? Bullshit. It's close to 30%. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everywhere you look, you're seeing double this, double that, 30% more, 40% more. It's not 9%. So producers, remember, if it's 11%, according to the government, it's probably more along the lines of 35%. Eventually, those prices are going to get passed on to consumers, and then the consumer price index is going to keep going up. It's going to go up, up, up. We've had this free money ride since Ben Bernanke opened the spigots. And Janet Yellen, when she was Secretary of the Fed, no problem, keep printing money. We'll be in a negative interest rate environment, zero interest rate. If you were a saver, you worked your ass off, how much did you get in your bank account? Virtually zero. Forced everybody into the stock market to try to get a return. And Jay Powell, same thing, should have been raising interest rates. In fact, if Jay Powell, talk about stupidity, talk about beta, if he was like Paul Volcker, who was the secretary, or correction, was the chairman of the Fed back during uh, when, when Ronald Reagan took office and inflation was running rampant, he met with the president, he went right back to the Fed, and they announced an immediate 5% rate increase. 5%! And eventually, the discount rate went up to, I think, 19% in order to tame inflation. And that's what's going to have to happen here. But they're not doing it. They're not going anywhere near it. They're talking about, well, maybe a half, maybe a three-quarter if Powell and the Fed had a lick of intelligence, they would raise interest rates immediately 5% because interest rates right now need to be higher than the, than the rate of inflation in order to tame it. So where, do the, where does the discount rate need to be? 12%, 13%. Now, people taking loans aren't going to be happy. But if you've got a mortgage that's fixed, no problem. You're good to go. But the reality is you have to cool down the economy. But we're seeing it here. We're seeing inflation rampant. And if you start seeing stores with empty shelves, all of a sudden there will be an absolute revolt. And it will start at the ballot box in November. Biden can lie his ass off all he wants. To me, if you're an alpha male, you have accountability. If it's his fault, he said, look, I made some serious errors. We should not have caved into the climate change greenies. I'm going to reinstitute the Keystone Pipeline. It's going to take a year to fix, but that will help. I'm going to approve all the permits in Anwar, in Texas, in Oklahoma, in New York, Pennsylvania. We are going to be energy independent. I screwed up a year ago, a year and a half ago. It was a mistake. I acknowledge it. We're going to rectify it. He's not doing that. Now it's the Putin price hike. It's everything except himself. Come November, the first revolt will take place. But the left, the Dems, they're already talking about a new variant. It's going to be called the election variant. Oh, all of a sudden people can't vote. Nope, we've got to do everything by mail so we can rig that election. Not going to happen. The American people are pissed. You're going to see the Italian government fall. We've seen Sri Lanka. The German government is about, I think, if they don't get things under control, which they won't, and start saying to the greenies, enough's enough. Wake up. And you've seen this pie-in-the-sky nonsense with all the climate change activists and the greenies saying, oh, we need a, a, a green new deal, and we can, everybody gets an electric car, and well, you still got to power the cars. 
Everybody forgets about that. You need more power plants to recharge the car batteries. It's all pie in the sky. They all bitch and moan about, oh, we've got to cut our carbon. We, we, need, to get, we need to get cars off the road, and we need more public transportation, and we need to renovate buildings. But yet, these are the same government officials and the same elite globalists who fly around in private jets, drive around in their SUVs with, with their motorcades, and I have no problem. I drive an SUV. I'm all for it. But I'm not hypocritical saying, oh, don't drive an SUV, and then I'm driving one. It's all do as I say, not as I do. And I give this, this, this rationale all the time. I use this every time in terms of the bullshit climate change hoaxers. President Barack Obama, for four years in office, kept saying we have to bring down global emissions, we got to get the temperature down, or the seas will rise, Miami, New York will be underwater, L.A. will be underwater, and everywhere he went to the coastal city, he kept regurgitating that. And when he left office, what's one of the first things he did? He bought a $13 million estate on Martha's Vineyard on the water at sea level. Now, if he's so worried about rising seas and, 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 and coastlines being sucked in by the water because of climate change and global warming and all global cooling, whatever they're going to talk about, why would you drop $13 million on an estate if you didn't think it was going to be around in a year or two years or five years? The answer is he's full of shit. He knows damn well that the climate change nonsense they've all been spewing is BS. It is a wealth transfer scheme. That is it. So there will be a day of reckoning. And we are going to see a major backlash. We will see more gas-powered plants since we've got more natural gas here than we know what to do with. Plentiful, next couple of hundred years, if not more than that. It'll still be around. Wind and solar, that's all great. But if you don't have wind and you don't have sun, you're screwed. So we will see massive changes. The climate change green greenies, their day, they had their day. It's about to sunset on their parade. And I love talking about one of the big climate change hypocrites. Greta Thunberg, miss, we've got to save the environment. If we don't do anything, we'll be underwater. The, the earth will, you're, you're killing our generation. What, what, Sergeant Steve, what was that she said again? We say no more blah, blah, blah. 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 No more, yeah, I'm tired of her blah, blah, blah. And by the way, now that when she was a 13, 14-year-old kid, she was all cute. Now that she's growing up, I think she's, what, 17, 18? Not so cute anymore. Sweetheart, it's passed you by. It's over. She was the main speaker, the featured speaker at the Glastonbury Festival last week. Glastonbury is in England, and I guess it's this big festival and... The face of the young face of the green movement, Greta Thunberg, made an appearance at the festival. She was on the festival's main pyramid stage and preached about climate and environmental justice. Tens of thousands of people packed the event, and she screeched for the people of the world to come together in order to heal the planet and protect it from the evil, evil no-good humans and their fossil fuels. 
And as she shouted, climate, the crowd roared back justice to show their allegiance to the leftist dogma of the day. Well, within a few minutes of little Greta Thunberg leaving the stage, all the attendees cleared out. They left. But they didn't just leave with themselves. They left a tremendous mess. The Glastonbury Festival grounds were loaded with trash. I'm looking at pictures. It looks like a massive trash dump. Chairs litter strewn and thrown all across the area. Literally, it is a sea of trash. I am looking at this thing, and it looks like just trash everywhere. Now, these are the climate change. These are the greenies. Oh, we have to save our planet. We have to save the world. We have to be clean. We can't dump plastic. We have to give up plastic. We can't have plastic because it gets in the oceans, and we can't pollute the oceans. Yet, they attend this festival with Greta Thunberg, and when they leave, they leave all their residual trash. They leave How all their you? shit behind. How dare you? Hit that one more time, Sergeant Steve. How dare you? That's right. How dare they? How dare they? The ones that are, these are the people saying we need climate justice. And we need to save the planet. And we have to be eco-friendly and no plastic and everything's got to be reusable. And we don't want fossil fuels. Yet, instead of picking up after themselves, they leave it loaded with a sea of trash. Just as we see all these supposed greenies attending this, they're hip hypocritical. Same thing with Greta Thunberg and all these other people that are screaming up and down the John Kerry's, oh, we need to save the planet. And if we don't do anything, we got to get rid of fossil fuels. And we want pr gas prices to be $10 a gallon. That'll force us to convert to the, the new era of green energy quicker. Yet John Kerry is flying on his private airplane and when asked about it across the world, he says, well, I'm a busy guy, and I, I can't take commercial. I need to be private. It's more efficient for me. Oh, I see. It's efficient for you, but not for anybody else. When was the last time you saw windmills on a 737? Or windmills on a private plane? Or windmills on Air Force One? Never. Does not exist. It is a pure fantasy, a fairy tale, to think that fossil fuels... Oil and natural gas, which we have a tremendous abundance of, burns clean, it's efficient, power plants can run on it, no problem. We can build more power plants powered by nat gas, it's abundant. We are sitting on about 30 Saudi Arabias in this country. This country was blessed with having the natural resources of natural gas and oil right underneath our property. And yet, We've got brainless Biden, brain-dead Biden, went over to Saudi Arabia, hat in hand, begging Saudi Arabia to pump more oil. You didn't see President Trump doing that. You didn't see President Trump going and begging Venezuela or Saudi Arabia. What he said to all of the energy producers in the country, open the spigots. Drill for natural gas. Drill for oil. We will be energy independent, and we won't have to worry about the rest of the world. And then if you want to have a transition to find other power sources, whether it's hydrogen or other types of power, wonderful. You can still go ahead and, and research that over the next 50 years. But anybody that thinks in three years, five years, boom, 
Natural gas, oil is going to be gone. Forget it. I will never buy an electric car. I have no desire to buy an electric car. Try taking an electric car two, three, four hundred miles. You got to stop every few hundred miles to recharge, and the recharging systems takes you forever. If I want to drive a thousand miles in twenty-four hours, no problem. I stop at the gas station, fill up, good. I'm good for another three, four hundred miles. Zero interest in an electric car. Not going to happen. So it is time that we wake up. And the climate change greenies that have destroyed, tried to destroy our, our energy production in this country, that have attempted to increase the price by eliminating drilling and eliminating fracking and eliminating the refining of oils and fuel products, their day is about finished. There is a massive revolt that is taking place. It is just a matter of time until the house, their house of cards comes crumbling down. We're already starting to see it in Europe. We saw it in Sri Lanka, Italy, Germany, the Netherlands. People are saying enough is enough. And when you combine that with massive inflation and people can't afford to put fuel in their car, get to work, they can't afford the price increases they're seeing at the store because their wages are only going up a couple of percent while costs are going up massively, rent is through the roof, food costs, energy product, energy costs over double. You think people are just going to sit by and do nothing and allow these climate change greeny nutcases to rule the roost? Think again. Revolution is coming. Coming sooner than you think. And it's going to happen starting in the United States. I think it's going to happen before the midterm election because people now, massive frustration setting in. More inflation increases, more price increases, a president that is brain dead, that is ill-equipped. I just saw a, a study, 65% of the Biden administration come from the world of academia. They've never been in the private sector. They've never run a business. They've never made payroll, paid payroll taxes. They've never had to go secure new business, be a rainmaker. Never. They all live in the very secluded, very protective bubble of academia. It didn't work for the Obama administration, and it ain't going to work for the brain-dead Biden administration. My fellow alphas, change is coming, and it ain't going to be pretty. Don't forget, make sure you subscribe to the Cigar Dave Show podcast. Give us a five-star review. And our brother, Bold Alpha Podcast, every Thursday we drop our weekly spirit celebration. And along the way, I've got a couple other things I didn't get to today. I'm going to do a Bold Alpha early next week. So you'll want to make sure that you do a search wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe so whenever new shows hit, you will be alerted. Cigar Dave, the general, saying, Mayor Humidor, always be full. Mayor Cutter, always be sharp. Mayor Ashby, extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Save America. Live it up. <laughs>